Joe, thanks uh, so much for taking the time to meet with us again on Zoom. Obviously, second rest day, Tour de France. Looks like you're in a pretty awesome little town there. Some Alps cabins or lodges in the background. Yeah, we're here in uh, Leger, um, in the Alps. And uh, we went out for a rest day ride earlier this morning, and it was super nice. I mean, it's a beautiful area. Uh, we went down to the valley and then up Col de Jupin. And, uh, yeah, I mean, when the weather's good here in the summer, I think it's a really nice place to be. And, uh, it's also, we're, we're lucky in that we got a good hotel for the rest day. We're here for, I think two nights. Um, and it's always a bit nicer when you can spend the rest day in a good, a good hotel. How many hours did you ride on the rest day? Uh, it was a little over two hours. Um, and like one effort on, on the climb just to kind of keep things moving. Um, if it were an easier stage tomorrow, then maybe I would skip doing the efforts or I don't know, just do a bit of a lazier ride, but, um, it's not the hardest of the mountain days tomorrow, but it is, it's also not going to be, you know, a flat sprint day. Um, so given that we've, in, in my experience, um, you know, if we already had the first rest day after only three days and then it's less important to do a good ride, but as you start to fatigue more, uh, you know, now having done nine stages and certainly the, the last rest day, um, I think it is important to kind of keep things ticking over because, uh, if not, then sometimes you see guys that, if you have a hard stage the day after a rest day, they're a little bit in crisis. Yeah. Um, could Gustav have kept up with you guys on the rest day today? Yes. Maybe not on the climb <laughs> when we were pushing. I don't know. I don't know what his current condition is, but uh, for sure, and, yes. And I forgot to I forgot to let everybody who's watching know we've got Gustav Orstrom. Um, and Chris Hayes joining us today also uh, on the Zoom chat. But I don't think their cameras have clicked over because they haven't said anything yet. So, but anyway, thanks for joining, guys. So, Joe, one question I want to know since we're sort of talking about rest day and behind the scenes stuff, have you been fined yet? Uh, actually, we were talking about this the other day on the bus, and I have not gotten any fines. But yesterday I was in the breakaway. And, uh, my director told me that six riders were fined in the breakaway. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. There were a lot of guys in that. I actually made the, made a point at one point I had like a bottle that I didn't need anymore. So then I dropped back to the red car and gave it to Christian Prudhomme. Nice. Nice. So now I figure you're like building up your points. (laughs) Right. 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 He knows you're trying. (laughs) Well, and the rules are particularly vague now because they say that like you're allowed to, uh, what our director said is you're allowed to give a bottle to fans on the side of the road, but you're not allowed to throw a bottle to fans on the side of the road, which is like, I don't know exactly what that means, but I think basically like, don't, you know, just look like you're randomly chucking a bottle out into the nature. But if you, if you pass people and you kind of roll it to them, then it's okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Because actually I have to say that now um, that is a, the penalty for that is pretty steep. Like I had actually in tour of Alps, um, two infractions for throwing bottles back to back days, which I didn't even know the first day I had been fine, <laughs> but, uh, I was sitting like, I don't know, a 10th on GC or something. 
and I was wanting to do a nice GC result, but the, the, the time gaps were like, you know, a handful of seconds. And my directors came to me after just before the last stage. And they were like, what did you do today? Because at the bottom of the communique, it said Dombrowski one minute on GC, Holy. 500 Swiss francs and uh, 45 UCI points. Boy, that's and like uh, dumping your um, RV sewage straight into the sewer. Like that's, that's <laughs> yeah. that, that level penalty. <laughs> well, and I, I, to be, to be honest, one day I did throw the bottle, but then the, the, and it was outside the green zone. I still sort of contested and I tried to contest with the commissaire that I didn't throw a bottle the other day uh, because I was a little bit bent about, you know, not yeah. being able to kind of contend for a nice GC result. But also, I mean, if you think, I think if you win a stage in the Giro or Vuelta, it's a hundred points. The tour might be a hundred points or it might be 120. But if you think like 45 points for throwing yeah. a bottle, when you get a hundred points to win a stage in a grand tour, it's like, that's crazy. Yeah. That's a huge, huge penalty. Yeah. Uh, so I tried to talk with the commissaire the next day, but I wasn't getting anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> they get their money, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So two things that I want to know are about kind of, uh, people that you race with. Who's the funniest, who's the funniest guy that you race with? Hmm. I, mean, I know I, I didn't give you any time to prep for this. So Valerio Conti, I've been teammates with him in UAE and also now in Astana and he's always up for a good laugh. Uh, I mean, I don't know the individual cultures within Italian cultural generally, but they always say he's from Rome and they always say that Romans, like everything is a joke. Uh, and he's a guy that, yeah, I mean, everything was always, he always brings kind of a light mood. Um, I also remember being teammates with Taylor Finney. He's just kind of, uh, has a funny sense of humor and, you know, you could, you could laugh about things. Um, and particularly when I was in EF, you know, it's like, I, I don't know if you could really call it an American team, but it's certainly very Anglo. Um, and it's, you know, the group of guys there, it's like, it was easy to, to yeah. laugh about a lot of things because you share a lot of things in common. Yeah. That makes sense. Is there anyone that I'm going to ask you two more questions? Cause I know I said there was only two, but there were three. Um, who do you sort of like talk to the most in the Peloton or in the tour this year? Who have you spoken to the most? Um, actually in this tour, I've been speaking a lot with Mike Woods. Um, uh-huh. I, I find that we're generally in the same kind of parts of the Peloton a lot. I think in part because like he's been here kind of targeting stages. So, uh, when the race is on for the breakaway, then, you know, you're fighting up there to be not that you're talking at that time, but, um, you're fighting to be up there for the break. And then other times maybe you, uh, are a little bit more risk averse. Um, and he's just a good guy. And, uh, I was teammates with him in the past, uh, he actually had kind of a right in front of me, had a pretty nasty crash yesterday. Um, but it sounds like he's going to be okay. Um, and in general, also all the Americans, I mean, except Chris, if we pass or, uh, Mateo Jorgensen in Movistar, he lives, um, actually in the port in Nice, like quite close to me. So we go training together sometimes. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. And, 
actually also another guy I've talked to a few times, but kind of on the other side of the fence now, uh, is Brent Bookwalter. He's here doing, um, some stuff with flow bikes and, uh, yeah. So I've just caught up with him a few times before or after the stage and always in the past when I talked to him, it was, you know, in the context of a race and, um, it's a little bit funny to see him, like I say, on the other side of the fence, but some of yeah. that I chat too. And it, well, and that actually leads me into, uh, the, the last question I have for right now, the, who's someone that's kind of like off the radar that we should all be sort of cheering for, not maybe because they're a necessarily a contender, but maybe because they're a super hard worker or just as a great personality. Hmm. I mean, I would say that would fall to someone who is maybe someone that can win a stage from a breakaway, but isn't, you know, actually the reality is that, there's not that many guys that can win from the bunch. If it's a, if it's a bunch sprint or if it's a, a summit finish, it's like we can probably count the guys that can win on two hands. Right. Yeah. I mean, look at, look at the tour so far. It's like how many, I mean, how many stages has Van Ar or Pogachar won right, together? Right, right. You know? Uh, so then it's like for the rest, if you want to win, then, for probably 90% or maybe even 95% of the bunch it's, it's from the breakaway, um, which in this tour, there haven't been, I mean, yesterday you saw jungles one, which actually, now that I think of it, I think, um, that was one that I was happy to see, uh, in terms of, in terms of people that, uh, you know, you're happy to see win. Like I, I remember last year he messaged me, um, because he was having, uh, actually for a couple of years, some problems with, um, what he didn't know at the time, but he had iliac artery endofibrosis, which is this, uh, the same condition I had, um, actually in the first couple of years of my career. And it took me a couple of years to kind of sort out what the problem was. Um, and I know that he, you know, kind of suffered a lot with that. And like, you could see that he wasn't at his best level. Um, and you know, it's when you're, when you're a, a professional athlete like that, it's, it's easy for your I- identity to be attached to, um, you know, you as a, as a athlete and not as a person. And a lot reflects on you as like how you perform as an athlete, because the majority of people, aside from the people that are close to you, see you in the context of an athlete. Um, so I think that was like a difficult period for him. And, you know, then to, uh, he had the surgery done, I remember like a little bit, probably about a year ago. Um, but I don't know if he ever raced again last year. Um, I mean, it takes a while to recover from, but then, you know, to come back from that and win a stage of the tour, it's like, uh, I think he's a really nice guy and, um, overcoming adversity like that. It's like, I was happy. I was there in the breakaway with him and I could see he was really strong. And in the end, it's like, you're happy to see a guy like that win. Right. Right. If it can't be you, it was okay that it was him. Yeah. Gustav or Chris, I don't mean to dominate with all the questions here. No, no, it's actually, I was going to bring that up about jungles. Do you, uh, it's been a long time since you had that surgery, Joe. Uh, do you ever have any issues or sensations, concerns about that? Is it a permanent long-term fix you think? Yeah. I mean, I think so. I think that it's gotten better over 
I don't know when they first started doing that. I think in like the nineties maybe. Um, yeah. and there, there's a famous story of a South African writer, Ryan Cox that died, um, after the surgery, like shortly, I don't know if it was a week or two after from complications. Um, because it, I mean, it is like a very major artery in the body. Um, right. and yeah, I mean, it doesn't always work out that people can come back to maybe their best level or even to like any sort of professional level. But in my case, I, I would say that I didn't, I don't think there's really been any, um, complications from it. I mean, there was, some like structural imbalances sort of like muscularly just for like having dealt with it for a couple of years. Um, and also now like just some small things like because the surgery was kind of like at the front of the hip, uh, I definitely don't, I've never been able to like totally sit quite as square on the bike anymore. Uh, just because like some areas are like a bit more tight. Um, but other than that, I don't think, I would say I pretty much fully recovered from it. Go ahead. I have one question. Uh, well, I have a few, but I'll start with one. Alpe d'Huez, it's Bastille Day. Did the French have a chance of winning that day? Anybody? Pino? Uh, Pino's not a bad bet. Uh, I mean, I, I don't... He's been quiet, but he's up too high in GC, maybe. Yeah, the thing is, it's like, if, um, if, it's, if, it's, a, if it's a breakaway winning the day... I don't see someone like Bardet being right. able to slip into the breakaway and, and it being able to, I don't know where exactly he is on GC, but while he said he wasn't going to ride GC or I don't think it was in the plan, it, it sort of, sort of looks like he's still there. Um, you know, I remember Matteo saying on TV before Planche de Belfi that he was, he was going to stay with, uh, Godou, who's their GC rider. But then in the kind of scrum for the breakaway, I saw, you know, following like with me. Um, so, and, and he was in the breakaway also yesterday. So it, it may be that he has more freedom than, you know, what we've read in the media. And certainly, you know, it's sort of a, a prestigious stage on, you know, a French national holiday. So you can <laughs> imagine that those type of riders will be really motivated for that. Um, sure. But yeah, I mean, Pinot would certainly be a good pick. And the thing is, it's also, we start on Galibier. Uh, it's, I think, like 20K in the Valley, and then we start on Galibier. So if the race is still together by the time we hit Galibier, then the breakaway can become a lot more about legs than about kind of um, so far, you know, on Planche de Belfi and yesterday to Châtel. It's a flat start going into a mountain finish. And then you get kind of sometimes a mix of guys who are maybe more rulers or kind of classics guys, big guys that can be in the break because it's a flat start and we're going 60 Ks per hour because then for guys, okay, yesterday I made it in, but for guys like me, you know, skinny climbers, it's not easy to be in the breakaway when we're going 60 Ks an hour on the flat. And you have to be really selective about your efforts because you can only go so many times and then it's, the objective is not just to be there. It's to be there to, to play, to win. So, you know, if you kill yourself in the first hour, hour and a half of racing, and then you're in the breakaway, then it's, it's not as, it's, it's not really useful. Um, so as to say, I think the stage shop Duez, it's 
a little bit or potentially could be a little bit more of a launch pad for climbers. And you could see a breakaway of more climbers out of GC, but even maybe in GC, given the nature that like it's a very up and down day, um, it doesn't cost a lot to, uh, if you have the legs, it's not that you're in a flat in a group of four and you're rotating all day and you're going to kill yourself. So even if you're in GC, maybe, uh, you know, if UAE has a bad moment or something, someone also in GC could sneak it up the road. So that makes me wonder about the stage yesterday. Obviously we saw you make it in the break, which was awesome. You know, it, it didn't even look like you had to like kill yourself. I tried to watch from the beginning, but I don't know how many times you tried to get in, but you landed in the break, which was pretty awesome. Um, I'm wondering, like, do you feel like up to the point where I think Pierre Latour attacked and then, um, Bobby Uncle sort of like countered it right away. Like yeah. up to that point, were you on your limit? Do you feel like you did too much work or was it just like you stayed with him and it was fast as hell? No, I, I felt okay. Um, actually I, I tried like probably did like four or five good efforts to be in the break, but I, I wanted to kind of concentrate them from like, I looked on um, street view and everything before and did some research and it was like, I knew that from kilometer 31 to 37 was a narrow road due to construction. And then we were going to turn right and do a cap four climb. So I was like, okay, if you can be in front in this narrow road, then when we hit the climb and they start attacking, uh, the guys that are not positioned well, it's going to be too much of an effort for them to, to pass everyone on the climb and then be in the break. So I just focused on really being at the front in this narrow section of road. And then I figured that, um, I was risking a bit in the sense that like, okay, the first 30 K maybe you don't try and maybe a group goes after 20 K and you're not in it, but you know, you have to kind of play your cards, um, where you think they're most effective. Yeah. That was great. And then, then when I was in the break, I was feeling okay. Like nothing special or I wasn't feeling bad or, nor great. Uh, actually I, I passed the car before, uh, Col de la Croix and took a bottle and Vino asked me how I was and I was like, I'm, I'm good. And then he was kind of poking me after the stage. Cause he was like, how is it possible you went from good to being dropped in 15 minutes? Um, but yeah, I mean, in the end, I don't really have any explanation for it other than I just didn't have the legs to follow. Um, which I mean, sometimes that's how it is, you know, like, uh, you have to try. And of course, like some guys spend more than others to be in the break, but, um, I felt that I managed it the best I could, but then in the end I, I didn't have the legs. So, um, it looked, it I, looked like you were in a little bit of a tough spot when Latour attacked. Cause you like, it, it looked like it just sort of got dumped on you to close the gap. Yeah. And, I was, and, cause I was and, second or third wheel. Yeah. Uh, and I felt like, Oh, I need to close this. And then, I mean, when I look back at the file after it was power wise, it was nothing like particularly impressive, but, um, I just didn't have it. So, you know, I mean, my preparation coming into this, I did the Giro before and, um, maybe you need a week of racing to kind of get the motor going again. Maybe you're fatigued still after the Giro. It's hard to say. Um, but the only way really to know is to, to keep trying in the next week. Yeah. Uh, 
try and be there in the break. And, you know, in the end, the legs will decide if you're there or not. Um, but you know, it's like, don't think about too much about one day where you weren't, you weren't able to be at the level you were wanting to be, just keep trying and, uh, it'll be what it'll be. Well, and, was, and, you know, I was talking to Kurt at the shop yesterday and it was not, it's not like, you know, I mean, when those guys attacked the brake blew to smithereens, you know, so it's, right. I mean, it's not like you had a, a bad ride. It's just that those guys attacked and blew things to hell, you know? Right. And it, I mean, it was a high quality breakaway. I mean, yeah. you had Ron, Von Art, uh, <laughs> yeah. Jungles, Latour, uh, Stoyven, uh, I mean, there was there was no bad riders in the right way right and and when it's when it's difficult to get in like that you you only see high quality riders you know yeah when when it's a sprint day and it's almost like no one wants to go in the break then it's a different story right so do you think uh ron being in there kind of ruined its chances from gaining a little more time like i i really don't think yeah there in the overall but he's been second and they don't want to give him remember years ago Postal or whatever the incarnation was at the time gave somebody like 10 minutes and it took him a really long time to Well, to the get thing that was back. yesterday I saw Rigo lost like eight minutes and I think in the breakaway actually he was suffering a bit. Um, so it didn't pan out that way, but I, I was passing Bargill as he was doing his poll one day and he, or, or yesterday and he was, he was grumbling uh, to some of the other riders, like, you know, why, why does Rigo need to be here? Like, he's killing the breakaway for us. And in the end, even with a maximum gap of, I don't know, three, three and a half minutes, Jungle still won the stage. So yeah. it's, not, it's not that the breakaway didn't arrive because of Rigo being there, but would the gap have been bigger had he not been there? I think yes. Yeah. Um, because aside from him... While, yes, it was very strong riders in the break, I don't think there was anyone that was really a danger for GC. Um, and and it, I think we're getting to the point in the race where the guys that, that want to target stage wins have basically maybe made a, made a point even to lose time so that that's not an issue. Um, because if you sit there in this kind of middle zone of, you know, I don't know, five to ten minutes down – uh, it's, it's not going to be one of these breakaways that takes 20 minutes because then it's a risk. I see Lutsenko, your teammate, he's uh, almost five minutes down now and was your GC guy. Um, yeah. Does, so he's sitting, I think you know, somewhere in the teens, does that impact your, um, your tactics right now as a team I mean, or in an individual? I, I think that, um, we're only at the first rest day. Right. Uh, so it's still pretty earth. I mean, most of the tour is still ahead of us. So a lot can change. Um, I think I would, I would suspect that the race is still fairly open for us in terms of like other guys on the team going in breakaways. Um, because anyway, in the mountains, it can also be good to have a guy in the breakaway because then you have someone in front, Yeah, you know, and always they can drop back. It's never a problem to have someone drop back from the front. Um, but uh, also maybe it opens the opportunity for also him to go in the breakaway yeah. because you know, it's like it, it, on a day that it doesn't cost too much. If it's a flat start at 60 Ks per hour and it's uphill finish at the end, it's stupid to go in the breakaway and 
okay, if you want to win the stage, it makes a lot of sense. But if you're still thinking of the GC, you can spend a lot. And then if they catch you at the bottom of the climb, you're not going to, you're not going to climb with the GC group. Um, but on some of these days where it's a lot more kind of up down type profile, um, you know, Alpe is, is a good example. I, if you're there in a group of 20 riders, it doesn't cost any more to be there other than the initial effort to get in. And what also people don't realize is you have the car with you. So it's like, you don't have the stress of fighting for position all day. And also every time you want water or a bar or whatever, you go to the car and you take it or you, you carry just one bottle all the time if you want, because you can always go to the car. Yeah. So, um, you know, and also when you go to the car, you don't pull. Yeah. So it's like every time you have a, anytime you can have a reason to go to the car, I think you do it and don't pull. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, uh, on the topic of the car being there, I saw Jungle's taking quite a few sticky pulls in the uh, sticky bottles in the crosswind. <laughs> Is there, uh, are those bottles always full? Or are you guys taking uh, no, half, no. Full, half full bottles? No. You might pound down quick and then, oh, I need another. Yeah, I mean, no, they're always full, but uh, I think. <laughs> are they always empty when they get discarded? <laughs> <laughs> no, for sure, for sure not. But, but given, like I say, given the rules now with like throwing bottles, you also need to be a little bit careful, like when yeah. you take one, especially when you're in the breakaway because the camera's always there, you know. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And actually, I saw a new thing come out that they can. I don't know if this is new in this tour or if it's been around a while, but the directors were saying that they can retroactively fine you if they don't see something in person, but if they were presented with video evidence that you did something. <laughs> and I mean, it's like in the modern day of like everyone with an iPhone, everything's recorded all right, the time. So right. it's like, just be careful where you're throwing things. And yeah. I remember, you know, boy, it must've been 10 or 12 years ago, Frankie Andre saying that they would just, you know, in the, I guess maybe the nineties or maybe the early two thousands, whenever he was racing, they would just hold onto the car for significant portions. Cause there weren't cameras around, but now there's like yeah. a million, million cameras and every spectator has one also. Yeah. 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 I mean, <laughs> I, I think, uh, if you do that now, you, you'll be out of the race because yeah, yeah. between the spectators, but also <laughs> like on the breakaway in the Peloton, also in the guys drop there. I mean, there's cameras everywhere. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, you know, and yeah, so I think they, they have their eyes and they're watching. <laughs> I've got a couple of questions. I know we've talked a lot about the mountains, which obviously is more your terrain, Joe, but a couple of questions looking back on the kind of flatter first week, uh, one being just, how were the cobbles? I know you've never really ridden any races like that. Um, so what was your, I guess, first, obviously intense race experience like, uh, on that terrain? I mean, I didn't enjoy it, uh, <laughs> at all. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's, I'm, I'm sure it's probably even less intense than doing like Paris-Roubaix where it's raced really as a one day race, but, uh, just, I mean, the fight into the cobbles and then riding the cobbles and, Actually, I changed the bike because uh, I had a mechanical problem after the second sector and the car is a ways back, you know. Uh, so at that point, I was like one of the last guys on the road. And then it's just a case of like, I mean, the, ra- the race is over. Not that, not that I was really ever going to be that much a part of the race that day to begin with. But um, yeah, I mean, 
it was an interesting experience just to, it's like a box that I ticked, but, uh, yeah, I, I can't say that it's something that I enjoyed. <laughs> I certainly, I certainly don't want to be called up to go to the Cobble Classics anytime soon. <laughs> yeah. Didn't that happen like Phil Geim one year where he had to go do Perry Bay or something? Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, sometimes if they need someone, you have to go, but yeah, it's <laughs> certainly not, not, <laughs> not in my wheelhouse. Yeah. Well, I guess one other question I had looking at that stage and then a few of the ones afterwards. Um, and I mean, I guess I don't follow like the average speeds of Grand Tour stages that often, but I feel like I've seen a few where it's been like 50 K an hour for the whole stage or, you know, 30 miles an hour for us Americans. Is that, is it unusually fast some of these days recently compared to other Grand Tours you've ridden? Or do you think it's you know not anything tour specific, but just. I don't think it's anything tour specific. I don't think it's anything tour specific, but we, I would say we're racing faster than we used to even a few years ago in part, I think because we've seen more breakaways stick and then because more breakaways stick, more guys want to be in the breakaway. So then this kind of war for the breakaway is more like perpetual. Um, but yeah, actually the stage that, uh, today, I think today won. It was like a bit of an uphill sprint, maybe stage five or six, um, where Von Art was in the breakaway. And eventually Von Art was like solo. Uh, I had, I looked basically four hours of the stage at 50 Ks an hour average. And it was, they said the fourth fastest Tour, tour de France stage in history. That's um, crazy. Yeah. So it's interesting too, because it used to be everyone wrote a 53, you know, with an 11. And now everyone uses a 54, but even now you even see some guys run, run a 55 and it's like the, the era of the 53 is over. Like no one uses a 53 because it's, it's not fast enough, you know? Um, and it, it like, you know, when you're in the 11 and it's in one line and it's going so fast and the cadence is really high, but also the power is really high. It costs a lot, even though the, the, the Watts might not be extraordinarily high if you do four or 500 in one line for a while at 120 RPMs, then you're like cooked. So it's also good to have, um, I think a little bit bigger gear, but it's been interesting that evolution of, uh, I guess, yeah, kind of the end of the 53 to chain rank. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, I do. I did notice. It seemed like a, a bunch of the days you got some favorable tailwinds too, which picks the speeds up, but I would imagine makes it a little bit tougher to sit on a wheel. Yeah, for sure. Um, like the wind has been some days favorable. And I think that combined with, if it takes, you know, 80 K for the breakaway to, to go, you're talking at those speeds, like an hour 40 of nonstop attacking. Um, so, you know, also it depends on, you know, what type, like, like the day that Von Art was in the breakaway, almost all the day was on big roads, you know? So if, the, if it's not technical, there's not much to slow you down. Um, and yeah, it's just really fast. Well, I think we're approaching the end of our free zoom call. And also we've gone definitely longer than I keep telling you we're going to, but, um, I did super, super appreciate you taking the time. I know you, you sent me your schedule today and it looked like it's somewhat full. So even on an off day, so um, but we appreciate you checking in and I know everybody back home is super psyched to see you there and cheer for you. Everybody's tuning in and like texting me every day, what's happening in the race because you're there. So thanks. So Joe, so 
Ineos has been able to hide pretty well. Who's going to suss out? Uh, is it going to be Thomas or Yates? And is it going to be Vingegaard or Roglic? I say Vingegaard just because of Roglic's crash. But what do you think? Who's going to rise up out of those two teams? To, to me, Vingegaard looks stronger than Roglic from what yeah. I can see. I mean, from what I've seen so far. And also He's taken in, the swings at the end of the stages. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, there is a long TT at the end of the race. And I think that Roglic is the better time trialist. But from what I can see in the climbs, I think Vingegaard is, it seems like he's a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Um, from Ineos, uh, one interesting thing I noted yesterday was uh, Martinez was, I think, one of their four guys in the top 10. But he lost like 15 or 20 minutes yesterday on the last climb. Um, so he's out. Uh, and again, I mean, G looks pretty good. And G can do a really good TT. It's 40K, which also can, can make right. a difference, you know? Um, and he always, with him, I always feel that like when he needs to turn it on, he can turn it on, you know? Like he might not be like today where he's winning all season long, but when he's good, he's really good. And I think at the moment he's good. Um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah. And I mean, I, I like him a lot. I think he's a really nice guy and I'd like to see him do well. I don't know Vingegaard or Roglic really at all, so I can't speak yeah. so much for them, but um, yeah, it'll be interesting. What should I cheer for Roman Bardet? Yeah, he's, <laughs> he, he's also another guy I like to, you ask guys that I am happy to see win. I would see, say yes. Good. And I'd also like to see Thibaut Pino win a stage in this tour. Yeah. I always cheer for Roman Bardet. But, you know, without knowing their personalities, that, I always factor that in. So if he's, <laughs> if he's a, good, a good enough person, that's why, that's why I don't cheer for uh, Max Verstappen. But anyway. Yeah. No, he's, he's uh, definitely cheer-worthy. All right. Good. Cool. Well, you were probably happy then yesterday, right, Jared? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I mean, obviously, Joe was my number one pick for yesterday. He was the reason I was watching, but... Yeah, I was talking F1, but okay. Oh, well, oh the uh, F1 race. I actually was pretty happy with that, but that's for that's for the podcast. That's for the podcast. Yeah. Oh, sorry, that was just a little plug there. <laughs> well, hopefully I can get in a few more breakaways the next time with some uh, legs to win. We'll get you. Yeah. We'll get you. That'll be awesome. We're, we're pulling for you, that's for sure. Cool. All right. All right. Thanks a lot, Joe. See you guys. Thanks, Thanks guys. Cool stuff.